0: Thank you so much for listening to Honestly Unorthodox. If you've ever thought about starting your own podcast, but just don't know where to start, have no fear. Pretty Easy Podcast is here to get your podcast off the ground and sounding great at an extremely affordable rate. Pretty Easy Podcast helps new and seasoned podcasters by providing production, editing, and podcast management assistance. With pretty easy podcasts, you can focus on your show's content while having a reliable tag team partner handle any and all of the technical aspects of podcasting to help your show sound great. As someone who clearly loves to hear themselves speak, I am completely uninterested in learning all of the mechanics of the technicalities of podcasting, the editing, and even the uploading of certain digital material that's needed to make this podcast sound as great as it does. And Pretty Easy Podcast has taken care of all of that for me, and they continue to indulge my love for getting all of this information out to you without any stress and any concern. You can go to prettyeasypodcast.com and get started today. Working with Alan and Melissa really has helped me avoid these roadblocks that so many podcasters run into with the recording, the editing, the feed management. Whether you're new to it or you already have a show, going to prettyeasypodcast.com really makes podcasting just that, pretty easy. And now, let's get to the show. He who fights monsters should look to it that he himself does not become a monster. I am on the unfettered pursuit of truth. I'm Kayla Perry, and this is Honestly Unorthodox. All right, everybody, welcome back to Honestly Unorthodox. It has been a little bit of a break, but with all of the health and wellness swirling around, summer's coming to an end, I have two lovely, beautiful, pregnant, milfy women with me today. I have Kate and I have Shantae, who are returning guests to the podcast. Guys, welcome back. Yay! thanks for having us. Yeah,
1: thanks for having us, Kayla. And thanks for thinking that we're milfs.
0: Yeah, I love it. Oh, you guys are total (laughs) milfs and you haven't even given birth yet.
1: So really quick, Kate, how far are you from giving birth? I am, I'll be 32 weeks on Friday. Um. You know, babies come when they want to, but I have roughly two months to go. Wow, that came and went, huh? For you, maybe <laughs> <laughs> you're
0: like really rich, <laughs> Shantae. How far along are you?
2: Twenty weeks this week. Wow. So, barely starting.
0: <laughs> you're so you're what well, that was. Yeah, that's like right at the halfway point. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. How has pregnancy been for both of you? Um, for me, I, uh, I definitely try not to complain too much. Lots of people have it a lot worse than I have, but, um, mm-hmm. I definitely would give it uh, zero stars on Yelp. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Shantae, are you on the same page?
2: Yeah, I would have to say that my first trimester, I mean, it was rough, obviously, you know, it sucked not being able to eat my normal stuff. I had food aversions. I was taking naps multiple times per day, not getting anything done, which Mm -hmm. is super frustrating. Um, But I mean, compared to most of the stories that I've heard, I'll take that over. Yeah. (laughs) Over some of the stuff that I've heard throwing up like multiple times per day, just feeling really sick. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't experience that. So I'm really very thankful.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so the the reason part of what we wanted to talk about today was I think the three of us have connected on on the realm in the realm of nutrition and fitness and health as, as a whole. And while I am not pregnant and I never intend to have a baby growing inside of me, I think that we could all resonate with one another in terms of how our bodies change. Obviously, you guys are going through something that I can't fathom, and I'm hoping that you could both go into a little bit more depth about how, I guess, knowing what you were able to do before. so we're all three pretty strong people and we've committed most of our lives to attaining physical accomplishments, whether that be vanity or strength or both. Mm-hmm. And it it can almost become part of your identity. And the word identity makes me cringe a little bit just because of the, the notoriety that it's gained in the, in the culture wars in the last couple of years. But I don't know if either of you wanted to start in terms of how, or if this has negatively affected your perception of yourself and your health. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah, I'll start. So um, I have been an athlete my entire life. Mm -hmm. And I think you're definitely on the right track, Kayla, where like going through pregnancy and these changes and whatnot are not much different, at least for me, than having experienced, you know, quote unquote, career and ending injuries um, throughout my Mm -hmm. kind of athletic life. Um, And in some ways, I think it's actually helping with this process, because I've had to rebuild myself and remake myself so many times already. Um, I have this... (laughs) this hashtag I've used on Instagram, uh, we can rebuild her. We have the technology. I love that uh, hashtag. <laughs> we have, we have the tools. Yes. we have the the tools. Advanced. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I know, I know what I have to do with my diet. I know how to train. I know what I have to do to, um, mentally get myself, you know, back to where I was before. Um, and having gone through that multiple times, um, I'm hopeful that that's going to help with this journey, but, um, I'm, I'm proud to say I've only had two major mental breakdowns. Well, <laughs> well, wow. I've been, in 30 weeks. What's yeah, the average? Once every three months.
0: That's yeah. better than me. And I'm not yeah. even pregnant. <laughs> yep.
1: I've only like stopped and like cried twice. Um, wow. and both times I had just kind of like looked down at myself. Once was in my first trimester and the other was in my second. And I looked down and my body was changing obviously. And, mm-hmm. I started crying and I looked at my husband and I just said, I don't want to be fat. I don't mm-hmm. want to have a belly. Like, I don't know what it's like to look down and not be able to see my feet.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah.
1: And it was really hard for me. And he was like, you're going to be fine again. You know, you know what to do. Like you're going to, you're going to, you know, get yourself back to whatever it is that you want to be. Um. But I was like, I don't think you understand like it happens it happens to the best of us like (laughs) yeah it's it's a hard you know giving birth is a hard thing to to recover from so anyways that's kind of my cliff notes version I'm sure we'll kind of dive in a little deeper to to parts of that um as we're chatting but
0: yeah yeah Shantae.
2: Uh, well, I haven't had any breakdowns yet, um, surprisingly,
0: <laughs> surprisingly. Um, I, really quick. I feel like all we hear about are women just having these crying episodes yeah. during pregnancy. So to hear that both of you <laughs> have emotionally kept it together. Wow. Good, for, good yeah, for both of you. I mean,
2: I was I was mentally preparing myself for it for a while because my husband and I, were we were trying for almost a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I had to make some lifestyle adjustments um, while we were trying to get pregnant to facilitate the environment of pregnancy. Um, mm-hmm. So what that means is because I was very like a high level performer, lifting five days per week, um, mm-hmm. cardio, tracking my macros, diet cycling, like that whole thing for the past you know few years, um, I actually started when we were trying to get pregnant, I was pretty. at a pretty low body fat percentage. And my personal trainer uh, said, hey, if you're trying to get pregnant, I would like to see you at least 20% body fat. Um, She's like, your calorie intake is really low. You're not eating enough fats. And I was like, well, shit. Okay. Yes, you're right. I I know this, but I needed somebody else to tell me. Um, And uh, obviously, stress management is a big part of that. And if you cannot control some of the stressors in life, which a lot of us can't, then you have to remove some things that you can't control. And for me, it was exercise. Like I needed to reduce my exercise frequency from five days to three days, just Mm -hmm. so I can learn how to slow down and not be at at level 10 at all times. So that was an adjustment. And then of course with that did come some uh, weight gain because I was eating more calories. I was moving less, um, And so that kind of like prepared me for just kind of like accepting that my body was going to change over the next nine months. And um, yeah, I mean, first trimester sucked because not only am I not able to, was I not, was I starting to not fit into my clothes? I couldn't control my nutrition and that was hard for me uh, because I like being in control of my nutrition and um, I just felt completely out of tune with my body. Uh, So that was frustrating. But now, um, obviously, my belly is getting bigger, but I feel so much better and mentally strong because I'm not sick anymore. So Mm. I can eat my normal meals. I can still track my macros. Sleep is pretty good so far. Uh, I'm meeting my step goals. And so that feels good. And I'm trying not to get so consumed with my changing body because at this moment, I have no control over it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that just I mean, things like nutrition and exercise, all of us know that we could control it down to the the tea and the milliliter and the like the half of a kilo. So those are things that are relatively easy to maintain control over. But like for you, when there are things like nausea and and you you didn't have like vomiting episodes, but you Mm -hmm. had food aversions and things like that. It's like it almost one little thing tends to feel like it it takes the entire thing off of the tracks. At least that's what happens for me. Mm -hmm. And it can be really hard to, to suck myself out of getting really negative about it. Like, I feel like it's so easy to become consumed by, Oh, one thing won't work. Let me just say, screw it to the rest. Like throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't know if that happened or has happened in, in spurts to either of you so far, but
2: no, not yet. Not yet. Um, are you talking about like, if you're not following like nutrition, for example, like if one thing kind of goes out, yeah. the window, then you're just kind of like, like fall apart altogether. Yes. <laughs>
0: like one part of your routine is yeah. like, like I can sometimes get so caught up in having everything be in its correct place yeah. in terms of exercise and nutrition that if one thing is off, gotcha. I feel like I let it to, I let it. Affect everything else too much.
2: Yeah. One thing I have noticed, um, I'm a little, I'm a lot more flexible in that sense now because mm. I'm not managing my weight.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that so that sense. is
2: one thing. Like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm pregnant anyways. What's another cookie? <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> I do, so I do. I have been doing that more, admittedly. But before, if I wasn't pregnant, um, yeah, it would be. Re- I, I would probably be very a lot more strict with my nutrition and sleep and a lot more disciplined in those areas. But because I'm not really managing my weight at this time, I'm like, eh, oh well, fuck it. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kate, what about you? I know not so much the pregnancy realm, but the last um, time I was injured, I had uh, shoulder surgery back in 2020. and mm-hmm. um getting back into competing and powerlifting was really, really hard. Um, And it was so hard to the point where I was like, forget it. I'm going to take up jujitsu instead. (laughs) (laughs) Screw this sport. I'm trying something else. (laughs) Yeah. It just, it like, it it wasn't fun for me because I couldn't lift as much as I, you know, had been able to lift before it hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It was, you know, a lot of the things that were reinforcing, For me about lifting were gone and so it was like well fuck it i'm gonna do something completely different that i've never that i have no expectations for myself um as far as you know being successful at um and kind of like you said it's like well just just scrap everything screw it all yeah
0: yeah have you had any injuries with jujitsu yet
1: um, I like serious ha- ones, maybe. No, actually, I haven't at all, which is a Christmas miracle, given the you know it is how outclassed I am weight wise in the in the class that I was <laughs> was in. Yeah. I was probably uh, with the exception of maybe one or two guys, the smallest person by about sixty five pounds.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you're short. You're, you're like what? You're five one, five 5'2", two? Five, two, Yeah, 5'2". Oh my god! So you're like pint size. <laughs> no, well, that's. I old. was one hundred and thirty
1: five pounds before I got pregnant. <laughs> that's still tiny.
2: Yeah, that is tiny. Actually, I was one fifty.
0: That's and I'm small. only one fifty-six. Like, way less than I do. <laughs> you're one fifty-six now.
2: Yeah, but I. Well, I'm sad about that number. Right in, it, oh my god. I know. Well, I'm sad because I'm like, okay, well, that means I lost muscle.
0: Muscle. Wow. <laughs> so I'll tell you how tall are you? Five, six. Oh, we're the same height. That's so interesting. Uh-huh. How much do you weigh? Uh I lost a bit of weight inadvertently. Um, but typically I was sitting around like one sixty, 160, like one sixty three. Okay. Is recent go ahead.
2: Yeah, question. I mean, because I know you, your history with eating disorder. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I don't know. Are those question, Are those types of questions like triggering or hard for you to answer with like weight and people commenting on your body? I've been wanting to ask you that for a while. I was just so curious. I, I was a little hesitant yeah. to ask you that. I was like, I
0: don't know. How much do you? Yeah. No, I could hear it in your voice. You're like, yeah. how much do you yeah. wait? <laughs> <laughs> and I get it. It's yeah. so awkward yeah. because the first- <laughs> Probably the first, like I want to say, and I don't want to speak for all anorexics, but I would say most of us would tell anybody the first five years minimum, Mm -hmm. nobody could talk to us about our weight or what we look like. Like Mm -hmm. everything is triggering for that amount of time. I think enough time has passed now for me to not find any of that triggering anymore. Um, I was worried that, because I could tell I was losing weight, and again, I wasn't trying to, but my clothes were fitting a little looser. And so recently, when I had to get weighed for all of my appointments, I was worried that seeing the number being lower would send me back into the spiral mm-hmm. of, oh, well, maybe I could push it five more pounds. Maybe I could lose another three. Right. That luckily hasn't happened to me yet. Um, but you know, for years, I would say probably up until maybe six years ago, every time I would go to the doctor when I was weighed, I would turn around and like face Mm. away from the scale. And I think all of the doctors kind of took that as a cue that I had an eating disorder because none of them told me my weight out loud Mm. until, again, like five, six years ago. And I'm almost 32. I mean, that's a long time to just not face the reality of what things are. Yeah. Now, yeah, but now I have no issue with it. Okay.
2: So Yeah, because- you know you hear some people say in i don't know in the fitness industry like don't comment on people's bodies you don't know their history um, mm-hmm. and I, I was always so curious on your opinion about that because you obviously have an a history with eating disorder but then there's also you know the other side of the coin where Some people like to be recognized for (laughs) for their progress, and it feels good when other people recognize that. So it's kind of like, okay, do I say something? Do I not say something? Um, And then how should somebody respond if they are triggered by something like that?
0: It's a catch twenty two because everyone. It's a natural thing to want to be told that you look good, or you lose weight, or you know, even like, holy shit, you're really strong. Mm -hmm. Those are things that all of us want to hear. I remember um, about gosh i don't know maybe 6 months into treatment i was starting to gain weight cuz i was forced to and someone told me oh you you look beautiful you're starting to get color back in your face mm. i was so fucking offended i think i cried that entire night because oh. to me that just said oh you're, you're gaining weight that's why you actually look healthy mm. and so you know it's like it becomes you don't want to be thin or fit anymore you want to look sick mm. which is just something really twisted about an eating disorder and you have a history with eating disorders Shantae, don't you like it's some sort of disordered eating i was never clinically upbringing.
2: diagnosed i you know i wouldn't I mean, I guess you can call it disordered eating, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like a clinical di- diagnosis. I did, cu- I was raised in a very um, restricted household where food was very closely monitored. I definitely had that mindset of good and bad food. And um, that kind of like carried over into my young adult life. And so, I would eat basically like a yogurt and salad and nuts and, you know, all mm-hmm. the low calorie stuff. And then just when I was around like chips and like regular food, I would just stuff my face and then feel sick. So that it was just kind of like that cycle for so long.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: yeah. And then of course, you know, in my early 20s, I had really bad body dysmorphia where, you know, I would, isolate myself. I wouldn't go out with friends or family, um, things like that. So I did go through like my whole, you know, cycle of that, but not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what oh, I yeah. was worried about pregnancy because of that history. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, am I mentally
0: stable <laughs> enough to do this? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah.
2: Because I've never, I I have been in a really good spot for so long that I, I wasn't, I wasn't sure if I was ready to go through the changes at this time. And I would talk to my husband about it and they don't understand because they're never going to go through it. Um, (laughs) And so um, it was hard for him to like empathize because he obviously wants a kid. So he's just like, everybody goes through this, (laughs) like just, stop complaining yeah,
0: just, deal with it. yeah. If I just pop just pop one out chante no. will be fine one we'll out, it. suck it up me. stop bitching <laughs>
2: <laughs> basically our conversation <laughs> um and so it yeah it definitely took some mental preparation but i'm actually pretty proud of how i'm handling it so far so
1: yeah it sounds like you're on the up and up Yeah, huh. i i think something that people don't talk about that maybe they should talk about more is when you're pregnant it for some reason the entire world thinks that they have the right to make a comment about your body yeah (laughs) and it is just constant and it's so interesting to me because most people don't just walk down the street and make comments about other people's bodies like to their face and you know whether it's family members friends complete strangers everyone has a comment and nobody's comments are consistent, which always blows my mind, too. Like, I've been told, oh, my God, you're huge. And then I've also been told, before you turned around, I couldn't even tell you were pregnant. And mm. so it's just, like, it, it it's mind-boggling. And to have to take on, like, on top of everything else, you know, with that comes along with being pregnant to have to be bombarded with comments about your body like 24 seven is, is something that nobody really prepares you for. Mm. Have you found yourself internalizing a lot of those comments or have you learned to shut them off a little bit? Um, not really. I think at this point I've, I definitely kind of like first trimester is tough because you're, you're going from your normal body to like watching it be, you know, completely body snatched and now like your jeans that fit yesterday don't button anymore and so it's like a it's a switch that's really tricky at this point uh third trimester I'm like I've accepted what the, what this is and it's a baby like I can feel my baby move and <laughs> move inside me all the time like I Aww. know that when I'm looking so sweet. at myself in the mirror like I'm looking at like there's an entire human in here um yeah no oh, yeah um,
0: she look at Shantae. She's like, oh my God. I'm, that's like, amazing. I'm not there yet. I'm
1: not there yet. So
2: I'm like, oh, I want to feel like, I want to feel the baby. Sometimes I'll feel something and I'm like, I don't know if that's a baby or just like my stomach gurgling. I really have no idea. My husband says the same thing
1: too. He's like, I don't know what that
2: is. Okay. Too early to tell. <laughs>
1: um, no, luckily I I really have it. And I um, I'm also considering myself pretty lucky at this point. I have like, I have no stretch marks on my belly yet. Fingers mm-hmm. crossed. I think that is something that I will have a very, very hard time with, um, mm-hmm. if and when they appear. I'm not looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, we shall see. That
0: um that reminds me of of something that you sent me and Shantae, Kate. Not only are we in the midst of a body positivity movement where we're almost shoving down people's throats that they must love themselves regardless of how they actually feel about themselves, I think that there is some merit in trying to reframe negativity. Uh, we've all three of us that's what we've been talking about for the last half hours reframing things that you know to keep us from spiraling, but there's a point when we start to it, it's too far away from reality. And Kate, you, you sent us something. I think this was someone who was either pregnant or had given birth already. And she was talking about how there's an expectation that, oh, you know what? Even if you're covered in stretch marks and they look like lightning bolts and they're battle wounds and it's beautiful, it's amazing, you should love it. I just don't think anyone has the right to tell anybody else what they should and shouldn't love about themselves.
1: Yeah, I think um, it's, it's a really interesting example, especially because, you know, the majority of women, not all women, but a a good chunk of women do give birth within their, within their lifetime. And so it's kind of a common bond. And again, most women end up on the other side of it, you know, with permanent changes. Um, And I think it's, you know, an attempt at, again, gaining another kind of identity, right? Like, oh, I'm a mom now, and these are my badges of honor or whatever. But when it comes to telling other people how to feel about themselves, yeah, you can't, I, I think um, the quote right from the, the thing that I had sent you was, you know, I went through 35 years of my life in my own body that was mine, that I worked really hard to, you know, Achieve certain, um, you know, athletic accolades and have a certain physique, and I don't have to turn around and be psyched that that is completely destroyed. Yeah,
0: yeah and that's the reality—is that it does destroy it, and that's not meant to necessarily denigrate anything about being a mother or giving birth. And I think that's maybe where people have an issue with the honesty about my my athletic identity is dead because I'm a mom now. Like, oh, why can't you have both? Well biology (laughs) and maturity and the aging process. I'm not saying that there are women that have given birth and, you know, qualify for the CrossFit games. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think for, for realistically, I think that's very difficult to do. Um, so, but I don't know, I don't know, I'm not pregnant, so I don't know if you guys have different thoughts on that.
2: I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that that's really hard to just expect every woman to just accept, especially like like women like us where we have dedicated many, many years, a lot of our time, a lot of our energy in sports performance, um, aesthetics, um, and you know, specifically for me, I have a nutrition coaching company and I'm online and yeah. it's been really challenging for me to see myself in some videos and I'm just like, fuck can we change the angle on this, please? Like, please, like from the side, up top, like everybody knows the skinny angle, please use that. Um, Like, like I'm just like, it's hard. It's hard um, to kind of, you know, watch your body become not yours and go through that. And so postpartum, I'm actually really excited about postpartum, to be honest, because... I thrive off of challenge, and I've been a little bored with my goals for the past year and a half. And I know having a kid is just going to spice things up a little bit. Like pre-pregnancy goals? Yeah, pre-pregnancy goals. It was very like too – like, you know, I I just mentioned that I was working on slowing down and doing less, and I was just like, fuck this shit. Like, this is boring. (laughs) Like, yeah. I, won't, I I like to, to be challenged and I like to go hard and I like, that's just like part of my personality. And so um, I'm sh- obviously there's going to be an adjustment period with, with the kid and learning how to balance all of that. But uh, again, I thrive off of challenge and I look at those things not as disadvantages, but as an advantage and opportunity to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I'm really trying to work on. And um, yeah, I have, Some sort of a plan for you know what I want to accomplish next year after the baby comes when it comes to like sports performance and aesthetics so I'm trying to trying to just hold on to that and not worry so much about like the middle part (laughs) just yeah get make sure the baby gets here and then we can you know move on with our life
0: (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. living in the present moment as, as they say that's funny Yeah. But is there any part of you that thinks that you would do something with your company related to pregnancy and postpartum? No. (laughs) Oh, you said that pretty quickly. Why no? Because
2: we have learned that working with pregnant ladies is not our most preferred client.
0: (laughs) Ooh. Okay. Well, if you're willing, you could tell us more. I have my theories as to why, but you go first.
2: (laughs) Well, um, we have a lot of resources and a lot of um, tools for when our non-pregnant clients become pregnant, uh, because mm. that does happen a lot. People do come in, you know, trying to get healthy and get back to healthy weight, and then pregnancy happens, and then at that point, okay, protocol needs to be adjusted, and we can provide services, high-quality services, with the current goal of having a healthy pregnancy, maintaining habits, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's what what we can do. But even then, it's still very challenging because that first trimester, I mean, you're sick. The last thing you want to do is check in with a coach about you know, your (laughs) week when the week was just yourself like trying to get through the week with like surviving and, um, you know, you're throwing up, you don't feel good. And so that in itself is challenging. But what we have noticed when we have accepted pregnant, already pregnant clients is that they're just not motivated. Um, Part of starting a nutrition coaching uh, program is you're in the program to lose weight, Uh, lose weight, build muscle, change your body composition. And so um, in the beginning, they're, they're motivated. And this is usually – we've accepted uh, pregnant ladies usually in the, their second uh, second trimester. Um, but, I mean, the goals um, just are not motivating enough for them because they have no control over their bodies. Um, and so they tend to ghost. And it's like dragging, you know, pulling teeth, yeah. trying to get them to engage. And so we kind of made a decision as a team that, you know, we're not trying to attract pregnant women into the program. But if you're, if you come into the program um, and you get pregnant, which like I said, happens, then of course, we're going to support you and guide you through that time.
0: You're kicked off the island. Don't, don't give birth. If you want to work with Tom. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sorry for the slight discrimination there, but I mean, we have our reasons.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Kate, you, you still coach, right? Or no, you still yeah. coach.
1: Yeah, so I coach um, powerlifting three days a week um, Mm -hmm. at 6.30 in the morning on Wednesdays and Fridays and 8 a.m. on Sundays, and I am proud to say that even if I had to run to the bathroom and puke in the middle of my class. I, I made, still a made it to every single one. Yep. <laughs> you
0: still made it. So th- that being said, knowing how driven you are, even through, you know, you're at the, you're in the final home stretch of pregnancy. Do you get frustrated with pregnant women that you've seen who maybe lack that same drive that you have?
1: So it's funny because when Shante was saying, um, like that women don't have control over their body changes. I, I agree to that to a point. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, your discipline is always going to override, um, you know, laziness for, for lack of better terms. Um, I, the whole time, like, first trimester, I definitely felt terrible. I, I had vomiting. I also had a lot of food aversions. I couldn't even go into my kitchen, um, just because of whatever, you know, not that my kitchen's like dirty and smelly, but like, you know, sink and trash and refrigerator, like all of those things. I just couldn't even go in there. And Mm -hmm. I did not, I, I actually competed in, I did the CrossFit open, um, Oh, wow. Good for you. Yeah. And I was doing jujitsu up until I was, I think, 23 weeks, 24 weeks. Um, I didn't miss a workout unless I had a meeting to be at for work or something. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think it's because I'm superwoman. I think it's just because I'm disciplined. And that was my routine. And I knew that If I got out of that routine, I'd end up on my couch every day. Um, Yeah. Almost like we were talking about earlier where like one thing falls off and, you know, all the wheels kind of tend to fall Mm -hmm. off. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, working out in the morning, I actually felt, you know, a lot better during the day. I tended to kind of crash at night. Um, But the comments i hear from from people are frustrating like i i'll hear someone be like oh you're you know you're so lucky you were able to work out when i was pregnant i i sat on my couch and ate ice cream and i'm like the lucky luck, yeah luck yeah luck uh-huh. has very very little to do with this like
2: mm-hmm. believe me
1: i like ice cream too but i have yet to send my husband to the store in the middle of the night to you know yeah get, get me a gallon to sit on my couch and demolish like (laughs) 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 Uh. right no that that's a perfect that's a perfect point you brought up is
0: the the locus of where we believe our control to be is i think a lot of people when and it's very easy to do so so i'm i'm certainly not saying this in a judgmental way because i do the same thing Um, It could be really easy to blame a series of environmental factors like, oh, I had shoulder surgery. I'm in pain. I can't move. I I don't want to do this. I can't even make a ponytail. I whatever it might be it's very easy to outsource all of everything else onto those little factors. But like you said, Kate, if you, if you establish discipline from the beginning before something like pregnancy or an injury, I imagine that it sets you up in a far better place mentally. Whereas Shantae, to your point, I hear a lot of women that never had a routine before becoming pregnant and they will actually shame fit mothers. Mm-hmm. I've heard comments like, Oh, my God, fuck that. She must have all the time in the world to be able to look like that. Yeah. After giving birth. Yeah. It's like she probably not. Yeah. She just has yeah. the discipline to, to commit to it.
2: Yeah. And that's what I, kind of what I was trying to explain earlier is, you know, when when pregnant women come into the program, they're typically not women who have had established habits, which makes it mm-hmm. challenging for them to kind of learn new habits during a time where they're not pursuing weight loss or anything or any tangible outcome, um, Mm -hmm. to that. Um, apparently having a healthy pregnancy isn't motivating enough for them. So, (laughs) Um, how is
0: that not motivating enough? I can't, I can't fathom that.
2: I don't know. It's just hard. It's hard developing. It's developing new habits is hard just in general. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of throw pregnancy onto that and, Makes it a lot harder, I imagine. But I do think that, you know, to your point, Kate, um, I agree. Like, when I exercise, when I hit my step goal, when I stay disciplined in my routines, I do feel better. I feel better about my body and the things that I can't control. And that's not because... I'm lucky. Either it's because I have developed these habits over ten years, and I've worked really hard in establishing the, those habits. So it it wouldn't make sense for me to just stop and not, you know, just stop doing these things because oh, I'm pregnant. I can't can't do it. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I just. And it's hard because there's so many things to fall back on too. I mean, I think the last time the three of us talked together, we talked about Ozempic Mm -hmm. and things like falling back on and, you know, Ozempic, I would consider something a really extreme measure Mm -hmm. with wanting to lose weight, but there are things like there was, you know, the self-help craze back in the nineties where everything was fat free and you could like drain your colon with these weird pills. And I feel like sometimes with, we talk about technology advancing and Kate said, you know, we have the tools now to build ourselves back. I think sometimes things like simple changes to nutrition and exercise feel too simple Mm -hmm. for people. And I think the simplicity is off-putting and I'm still trying to wrap my brain around why that might be. I don't know if you guys have theories. I haven't quite figured it out.
2: I don't think the simplicity is off-putting. I think that Other lifestyle habits are just so mismanaged that Mm -hmm. they tend to make things a lot harder on themselves just naturally by not being able to manage their sleep or manage their stress or Mm -hmm. um, do like frustration tolerance. We've kind of talked about in the past and having that be awareness that you're going to feel frustrated in pursuing certain goals. And that's just like part of the process. And so having that level of awareness and um, they want to overcomplicate nutrition, but they want the outcome to be easy, right, which is confusing and doesn't make sense. So yeah, I think that just with not being able to manage other lifestyle factors, they tend to just overcomplicate things and like, like like nutrition in general.
0: It's a legit... A legit theory. So in and people are going to be like, Kayla, stop talking about Peter Atiyah. But Peter Atiyah has exploded recently because he's talking and shedding a lot of light on things like nutrition and fitness and how um, fitness and exercise even ahead of nutrition tend to be our greatest protective factor Mm -hmm. against you know aging and and diseases and things that tend to kill us um earlier than you know we might have otherwise been able to avoid i think with things like exercise i'm wondering where you guys think the misconceptions are specifically as they apply to women in 2023
1: as far as like them not being motivated to exercise as far as motivation, as far as
0: actually picking up an exercise routine, sticking to one, anything related to it.
1: I think there's a lot of factors. I think for one, I think it's difficult for women to feel who haven't had a history of, of fitness or athletics, um, to feel comfortable walking into a space where they're going to be either in a gym or in a, um, Taking a class, or you know, kind of finding their their place in fitness if they've never done it before. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll just throw jujitsu out there. I mean, the super male dominated, right? You show up to a class, or you may be the only yeah. woman there, um, mm-hmm. depending on what CrossFit gym you walk into. Same thing, you know you're you're likely to kind of be outnumbered. Um, yeah. So I think that's a that's a huge barrier, and I think there are a lot of um, there are a lot of other barriers when it comes to, to being a mom too, not to come full circle here, but you know, if you have multiple children and you have to, you know, work, and then you have to pick them up from school and then you have to bring one to soccer practice and you have to bring the other mm-hmm. one to piano lessons. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we all get the same 24 hours in a day. And that's not to say that those women couldn't also wake up at, you know, five o'clock in the morning and get a workout in. Um, yeah. but Yeah. Like it would suck. But, but I, I think, you know, in many families, moms are tasked with 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 childcare and that sort of thing, and um, and so it doesn't leave space for them um, to have as many opportunities to access physical fitness the way that maybe their you know partners are their male partners are.
0: Yeah, and that that's such a touchy subject too because one of the most common. And I'm not going to say excuse because that sounds bitchy. Uh, one of the most common, I guess, responses that I hear amongst women that are either pregnant or they are postpartum and recently postpartum is, well, I just, I don't have time. I don't have time to do it. Shantae, I've seen you post about this pretty often and Kate, you know, great way of putting it. We all have the same 24 hours. Shantae, what do you tell people that say they don't have enough time?
2: If they don't have enough time, if they catch themselves saying those words, um, tell yourself that it's not a priority. Um, that's usually the reframe that we, that we go to uh, because see how that feels like because you're not prioritizing. You're going to have to prioritize it at some point in your life. And if you continue to avoid it and buy into this idea that you don't have time, then you will be forced to make time at a later date, and probably uh, place the burden on other people who have to take care of you, which happens yeah. often. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't think it's people, or I think people assume that they don't have time, but I think that they just don't have the knowledge and skills to know what to do. And so, yeah. they assume, kind of like going back to your original or what we were talking about before about overcomplicating things, they think that they have to do all of these things to get results Mm -hmm. when it's actually a lot more simple and they can actually start at a place that's much more manageable in the beginning until they acquire enough skills to handle a little bit more at a later time. Mm -hmm. I don't think people know that. They just kind of see, you know, influencers on Instagram and fit people and they're like, well, shit, I'm never going to be that. So I just can't do it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We do a... um like a self-care parent training um, at my agency that we've done a few times. And at one point, uh, we have all the parents take out their phones and pull up the the screen time um, metric Oof. on their iPhones. That's a rough <laughs> reality check. And it's always very <laughs> eye opening, you know, because they, you know, especially being a parent of a, a child with autism, they mm-hmm. definitely feel like they don't have any time to take care of themselves or, you know, yeah. whether that mean exercising or being able to, you know, go have just some alone time. Um, and so it's always very eye opening for everyone to, to look at their screen time metric and realize, oh, I do have time. Mm-hmm. I
0: do have time. Yeah. And so Shantae, when you, because that is the, the realistic translation of it is it's, I, you do have time. It's just not a priority for you to make time to do it. Mm-hmm. Do you get a lot of resistance with that?
2: Usually I would say the majority of our clients, because they are paying for a service, they are more open to making it work. Not all, because there are definitely some people who will pay and then, you know, bye-bye. <laughs> we never hear from them again, you know, but, um, and that's going to happen. But I would say the majority, they want to learn how to make time. They want to learn time, better time management skills. They want to work on their mindset. They're usually open to those things. But people that I talk to, like on Instagram and stuff, when I have these conversations with them, I try not to get too controversial, try to be you know, empathetic. Like, I get it. Um, maybe I'll refer them to a post, something that might resonate with them. Um, but the reality is, like people aren't going to change or see a different perspective unless they're ready, and so yeah, it's just yeah. kind of like one of those things you can't really force it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you are not kidding. That's. <laughs> you could bring a horse to water, but, uh, but you can't make it drink. And that's, that's hard again, just, I keep trying to, I know I keep relaying this back to modern day, modern day, modern day, but Mm -hmm. there are, are so many attitude shifts in not only physical fitness and health and nutrition and wellness, um, But in in every domain, I mean, we're inundated online. All of these moms that you're referring to, Kate, that or I'm assuming moms, moms and dads that look down at their phone and, and see how many hours they're allocating to looking at what everybody else is doing. I think we could tell ourselves as much as we want that we don't internalize this stuff or, oh, it's just fun to scroll and kind of you know, distract myself. I find it almost impossible to believe that there isn't some degree of comparison there and that there isn't some degree of feeling like we need to measure up to someone else in some way, shape or form. And so, you know, to to your point, Chante, about people seeing fitness as being very complicated, They're probably looking at people that have qualified for the CrossFit games or are, you know, snatching or cleaning and jerking double their body weight. Mm -hmm. And these these the mechanics of these things do look immensely difficult. And on top of that, because I've been guilty of this, I almost feel FOMO sometimes when I see people that appear to be working out all day long. Yeah and I almost feel like shit. I should go back into the garage and put a two a day in, but then, you know, that's dangerous for me to start getting into that mindset too. I just want to know like what do you do for work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do yeah, you Yeah, it, it makes it makes <laughs> me wonder. <laughs> What's your job? What do you do? <laughs> I I know. Yeah. I, I... <laughs> no, I know.
2: Um, it, it is hard to not compare yourself to other people and that is definitely a huge mindset barrier for a lot of people, right? They go on social media. They assume that if they're not performing or doing what that person's doing, because there's like an ideal um, fitness level, perhaps in that person's mind. Like, well, I, you know, this person that I admire, who I like following, is doing X, Y, and Z. There's no way that I can, I can get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, I, yeah, I imagine that with social media, it's really hard. To not compare yourself but you know that also just comes with like personal responsibility too like if you're noticing yeah. yourself having these thoughts about people that you follow and it's making you feel guilty and you feel worse about yourself with following people like unfollow them, like clean out your, clean out your Instagram, you know, maybe delete Instagram, God forbid, you know, have, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) delete Instagram and try to create more time for yourself. And you have to really focus in on like what you want out of your life. What's meaningful for you? What's motivating Mm -hmm. for you? Um, I think, I think it's so cool when I see moms who have like three kids, a full-time mm-hmm. job, being hella fit. Like that's inspiring. And kicking
0: ass. Yeah,
2: kicking yes. ass. And that's another thing too that, you know, the coaches and I talk about. It. It's like you can look at somebody and be jealous and envious and compare yourself, or you can look at somebody and say, that's fucking cool. I want to be yeah. like that. Maybe not exactly, yeah. but maybe I could be something similar, right, in my own mm-hmm. way. And it's really, I think that, you know, that's something that you have to work on inside, internalizing, you know, what you're consuming. And I think the reason why, or one of the reasons why it's a little bit easier for me to be like, to know that I can, I can have all these things that I want is because my mom modeled that for me growing up. I mean, even though, you know, there were some food restrictions, she worked full time, she used her lunch break to work out. She packed her meals every single day. She was taking care of my sick, dying grandmother um, who had Parkinson's disease, who was living with us um, on top of working full time, on top of taking care of me as a teenager. And I was a fucking maniac. I was a terrible teenager. And so I saw her doing all of these things and taking care of herself while managing everything. So I know it's possible. (laughs) I know it's possible.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you think that's especially hard for women to
1: uplift each other? I think we see a lot of, you know, there are some really amazing examples of, of women and moms who are doing exactly what like Shantae's mom did. And Mm -hmm. You're going to have some women who are like, that is amazing. I want to be that. I want to do that. And then you have others who think that's selfish. Mm-hmm. That's vain. You know, I'll, they care more about their appearance or their fitness or their leisure than they care about um, providing, you know, for their family or or taking care of their children or whatever. So um, you just can't win. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're damned. If you do, you're damned if you don't. So that being said, sh- this is going to be a rough question. Should, should everyone accept the way that they look like, should everyone accept their health? Like what if you are someone that is morbidly obese and you know, not so much the vanity of it, but your health is quite clearly suffering because of your nutritional and, and, you know, activity level, your food, your choices, but I just have a really hard time with this idea that we should tell everybody, love yourself no matter what. I mean, sometimes, you know, be you, love yourself. I think that's sometimes awful advice. <laughs> I think our judgment becomes so impaired so easily that it's very misguided um, and, very, and lazy, honestly, to tell people, like, just accept yourself and love yourself. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think?
2: You can go, Kate. <laughs>
1: <Go next. laughs> um it's like, waiting like for each know, other, like <laughs> looking at each other, like who's gonna go, who's gonna go? You can go. I, I think at the end of the day, someone's choices are ultimately really only going to impact them. And so sure. people are gonna deal with the consequences of their own behavior if they're going mm-hmm. to, you know, quote, love themselves regardless of the status of their health, then they're going to love themselves Mm -hmm. right into an early grave. And ultimately that's really only going to affect them. Does it affect me? Does it affect you? Um, You know, of course, maybe their family or, or whoever, you know, they have relationships with, but um, you know, do I think that messaging is dangerous overall? Absolutely. I mean, we definitely don't want to see young children, um, subscribing to that when they, you know, have their whole lives ahead of them. And, you know, something like obesity could really hinder their opportunities mm-hmm. throughout their entire life. Um, you know, beyond just being in poor health. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, everyone's going to do what they're going to do and they're going to deal with the consequences of, of their behavior. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I'll put, I
2: agree with that. Um, I feel strongly about – to a certain extent, it only affects them, but um, I think – I mean, unless your family is going to stick you in a nursing home, (laughs) um, your family is going to be responsible for you, and that is selfish. I mean, if you're going to accept being obese, then you better accept not being able to wipe your own ass when you're 70 years old, like – are you mm-hmm. o- open to accepting that as well? Because that's what's going to happen when you have no control over your body and you're losing muscle mass over time and you have chronic Ill- health issues and, um, and those things. Um, those, those consequences happen later in life. And I don't think a lot of these um, trendy body positivity topics um, are happening to people experiencing those things yet. Something that I have seen as well is, or you know, just women that I've talked to, who want who want to lose weight, who want to get to healthy spot, they'll post body positivity things on their Instagram. Mm.
0: After, that's interesting. Yeah,
2: it's interesting because they're in, they need to lose weight because they're in physical pain from the extra weight on their body, but I think they'd struggle with accepting that and it's a lot more comfortable to just accept your body as is because the changes are so much harder than, you know, just staying positive and, you know, yeah. Advocating for body body positivity and being part of that group versus confronting, you know, it's not just about habits too. Like if if you're morbidly obese, there's probably some underlying trauma in there as well. And so mm-hmm. it's really confronting those things and being mentally prepared to do so, which could be emotionally taxing for a lot of people who might not just be ready to do that.
0: Yeah, yeah, good point. Well, I'm going to keep you guys a little bit longer for the brand new spanking bonus content. But for everyone else, thank you for joining Honestly Unorthodox, and we will see you guys next week.
2: This show was produced by Pretty Easy Podcasts and made possible by listeners like you. If you ever thought of doing your own podcast, please visit prettyeasypodcasts.com.